Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we look at the Creative Blaster X audio gear. I talk about my new LAM party build, and I give my first impressions of Dying Light the following. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren King. Dennis, I know it's been a while since we've talked about what's on the bench, at least from a non-review standpoint. We built that machine that I'm in, the uh, the Haswell E-Build, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But I see that you have some new hardware and a new build in progress here at the lab. And I have to admit that this doesn't look like an overclocking build. No, it's not. Um we, as we've mentioned a couple of times before in other podcasts, uh, Darren and I are going to the Boise Land 2.0 later this month, which would be actually already occurred by the time this <laughs> podcast is out, but magic of recording. But yeah, I'm working on a new system to take to that land party because, you know, I, I have my workstation, I have it the way I want, and I'm not moving it. So, Well, I know that you have some hardware on the bench right now, the SOC Force, for example, mm-hmm. but I don't see that in your build either. No, no, no. Actually, that hardware is still on the shelf, but I'm, uh, I'm toying around with the important things like uh, audio and keyboard and mouse and, uh, you know, basically the peripherals to interface the system because that's, you know, you got to have comfort and you got to, it's got to be, um, easy to use and obviously, um, portable, portable. <laughs> yes. And in the case of audio, it needs to sound good. So we are using, or I am using an H5 Sound Blaster Blaster X headset. Well, that's a great looking headset, and yeah. I know Creative has a fantastic reputation because, after all, they have pioneered a lot of the PC sound market. Some would say all of it. Yeah, now, this is actually a unit that I saw at CES. It's a very light headset. It's stereo. Um, it has a built-in microphone that's also removable, and uh, I'm moving the microphone around. It's basically twist. You know, it's very easy to move and position. It very doesn't flexible. Yeah, it doesn't spring back. Now I tried these on, and so I need to comment again on how light they are. Now I know that I'm a big fan of surround sound headphones, and I have very recently reviewed a couple of pairs of those. But these were very light and very comfortable, mm-hmm. and in fact, surprisingly so. Now that wants me to ask a little bit about why not 5.1 headphones. Uh, well, I'm not much for surround sound on my head in terms of speakers. Um, I get enough imagery from just a stereo set for me to be able to enjoy my games. So, um, admittedly, you know, all my headsets are stereo. You know, I have surround sound in the, in the office, which is one reason I don't want to move the office PC because I have, (laughs) have everything set up the way that I like, but, um, the, in terms of the imaging, I can usually get enough from the stereo to be able to tell when somebody's behind me and stuff like that. So Nice. Well, and I know that you're more focused on the single-player experience than I am, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry so much about where other players are around you, and you can focus more on the quality of the sound. Right. So a little bit of give and take there. But I also see an intriguing little box that came with these little guys. Yeah, that is the Blaster X uh, G5. It's basically a digital DAC that uh, has multiple inputs and outputs. Um, in a sense, it's a headphone amplifier. Right. So the H5, these headsets, if you plug that into, you know, 
I tried to use them on the podcast and um, the uh, Focusrite didn't output enough volume to be able to hear anything through these headsets. And that's something that I noticed when I just plugged them into my computer, my workstation, is that the homage on the speakers in here is really high, which, uh, you know, if you know anything about uh, speaker technology, you usually get better frequency response and better um, uh, accuracy from a speaker with a high impedance versus one with a low impedance. Obviously, the low impedance works well. Like, you know, my pioneers that I'm using for the podcast right now, they're very low impedance, so they're very loud, but they're designed to be a DJ headset. Um, So accuracy isn't terribly important. But when you're dealing with high-end audio and games, you want to have a quality speaker. And I think that's what um, Creative has done with these. They put a high-end speaker in here, added the impedance so that you need to use an amplifier to get the most out of it. Well, that totally makes sense. And I can see why you would go with the stereo using that argument for the higher quality sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, long-time listeners will know that we like to make the comparison a lot about uh, racing and cars, and specifically the fact that your tires are what connect your car to the road and how important that is. And in gaming, especially in a land party environment, you're really dependent on the quality of your headphones and your mouse and keyboard because those are, well, essentially the tires that connect you with the games. And assuming, of course, that you have enough PC to run it, you know, you need a very responsive mouse, keyboard, and headset combo. So with that in mind, great headphone choice, I think. I'm looking forward to seeing it in action. Yeah, well, the thing that I like about them the most is that they're super, super comfy and they're not very heavy. Where if I had a 5.1 or 7.1 headset, it's got a lot of weight because of all of the speakers that are in there. Because uh, I would want to go with individual drivers. Oh, yeah, of course, the discrete. Yeah. So the the Blaster H5, the, the amp or the DAC, um, this is a neat little device because you have a USB input that you can plug directly into your computer. And that becomes a USB sound card and amplifier. So it's, it's a powered over USB. Its own... Um, audio chip inside there that's controlled with the sound blaster drivers obviously uh you can also run it in pass-through mode so if you plug this into like an xbox one or an xbox 360 or playstation 4 right you can run optical in powered over the usb plug that directly into your console and then get digital audio through here and then on the other side you have your volume knob and uh headphone and microphone outs which would be your uh, just standard banana plugs. Very interesting. So on the headphones itself, um, it has a splitter that will plug directly into the DAC and also into a regular computer, so you get headphones and speakers. It also has a, a combined plug, so you can plug it into a cell phone or a mobile device and then have the uh, microphone headphones all in one plug. You'd certainly have to be pretty serious about your sound to carry all of that around especially the DAC, but it is it's you know, pretty small, small enough that you could definitely put it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And I do know that there's been a real push to get more quality audio into the portable hands of folks, and that was started, for better or for worse, by the Beats movement. So yeah. I guess we can thank those headphones, as overpriced as they are, for really getting the youth today more interested in sound quality and portability. Yeah, so... I am really looking forward to using this at the LAN party. Hopefully the 
the DAC and the headphones work well in that environment to, um, uh, one, be sound isolating to the point where I can concentrate on the game, but also loud enough so that I can uh, enjoy the game. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to not only seeing these in action, but reading the future review on them. So check back to our website and we'll see just exactly what you think of those very soon. So in the last segment, we spent a little bit of time looking specifically or listening specifically to the headphone setup that Dennis will be using at his future land party visit to Boise Land 2.0. But I know that's not enough, for me at least. I want to know what else is going under the hood. So I thought we should talk about the rest of the build. Oh, yes. The super secret build that... (laughs) uh, Admittedly, the hardware is pieces and parts, but it's all going to go together to be one cohesive piece. So uh, let's start with the case. Okay. Uh, I am going super rare, super exclusive... Basically, nobody has this uh, Hanbon Tech HBT turbine case. Oh, the turbine case. Now, this is a fairly recent review model, of course, mm-hmm. from a newer company, if I'm not mistaken. Brand new. They started this last year, actually. Well, this case has a very distinctive look, but I'm wondering if that's why you chose it. Uh, yes. <laughs> that That is. that. Uh, believe it or not, out of all the cases I have, and I have some really good cases, like I got a... a TJ-10, you know, that full aluminum tower. I got one of those. Uh, I have a Raven um, RVZX or O1X, basically the new Raven 6. Um, I also have a master case. I have a lot of really good cases, but I wanted something that was flashy that nobody had seen. Oh, yeah. And when and, you go to a LAN party, there's a lot to be said for the ooh-ah of something you haven't seen before. Right. Well, and one thing I like about the turbine is... Uh, it's got a lot of fans, so it cools well. It's got a distinctive style, but it also has a shaded side window so that I can uh, hide what's inside. Nice. But also be able to turn on some cold cathode lights and be able to light it up so you can see inside. So it gives you a distinctive like on-off sort of Now, look. hold on. I think you just mentioned cold cathodes. Now, I know that you're not always a fan of lighting in cases, so I'm guessing this is a LAN party exclusive look. Yeah, this is going to be just for the LAN party. And believe it or not, I looked back through my modding boxes, and I found a dual cathode set. Hopefully they still work. (laughs) Still new in box that I bought from CompUSA, date me, um, that I never used. And they're they're red, so they'll match my build. And all I need is... um, Basically a Molex and some Velcro when I can mount those things up. There you go. A little lighting to help show off. So what's going inside? Oh, inside. Let's see. I'm going to use uh, the EVGA X99 Classified. Nice. Kind of have to. Uh, We'll match that up with um, some 3 gigahertz DDR4 memory. I'll have to use four sticks, so I'll just grab a, a set that I have. Thinking maybe HyperX. Oh, okay. HyperX is good. And we'll be doing the 5960X because reasons. <laughs> uh, and see, for video, uh, I'm torn on video right now. But oh, I'm, interesting. I'm going to stay within the EVGA realm so I can do a, a standard 980 tie. 
I could do a 980 classified. I could do a 980 tie classified. Oh, tough decisions. Tough decisions. Or I could actually just go old school and do a 780 tie classified. And then maybe pair that up with a, um, you know, a random physics processor for all the physics in the games that we'll be playing. Oh, offloading physics. But I didn't hear the R9 Fury on that list. No, the R9 Fury was, uh, it was on the short list. I was thinking, hey, that would be a cool card to put in there. But um, considering that I'm using the X99 Classified, I wanted to keep it within the family. Oh, that makes sense. Well, and you don't have the additional size and heat elements and the additional power draw, which leads me to some of the supporting components. Supporting components. All right. Well, we can start with the power supply. Um, You know, I I have a lot of power supplies. Um, I think I'm going to use a 1,200-watt Strider from Silverstone. Oh, beast. Yeah, just because. (laughs) Uh, And then, well, you know, it's just a standard... um, I'll probably do an optical drive just to install the operating system, but it won't really be in the system. In terms of drives, I I'm thinking I might do a dual Raptor setup. Okay. Just to go a little old school. So we'll have a bit of new school and a bit of old school. Now you're thinking like a, a simple RAID array there? Yeah, just kind of like a RAID zero. Nice. You know, they're only 150 gigs, so I can get a 300 gig partition out of that. And since I'm only going to use it for a weekend, um, I there's no worry about like one drive going down and killing all my stuff. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, I definitely could do a Predator 256 gig um, M.2 drive and then forego any sort of external SATA. Mm-hmm. Well, you're definitely getting some boot there. I'd be curious to see how that performs against the Raptors. We might have to save that for a future article again. I believe so. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I think in terms of hardware, that's basically all I'm going to need. Now, we know, haven't talked peripherals. We got the headset down. But got the headset. Mouse, uh, keyboard. Uh, mouse, I'm going to use a Logitech G05, which is a gaming mouse. And then I have a, a gigabyte um, mechanical keyboard with some red switches. It's basically oh, a, a gaming keyboard. The only reason I'm picking it is because it's black. And it matches. And it matches. So black and red for the setup there. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And you're looking forward to it. It sounds like anything else we should be asking about. Um, no, actually in terms of hardware, uh, with the PC and everything, that's pretty much going to be the build. Um, I'm going to be doing some hardware asylum stickerage on there. Right. Um, and then I'm going to try to wire in the cold cathodes so that we can, um, turn them on and off, obviously have them off when I'm gaming. So I'm not looking inside the case the entire time, uh, and then turn them on during the show and tell, I guess. Very nice. Well, we all like to show off our hardware, and it's interesting to see what's coming off the shelf for this one. And I'm guessing that you might be able to see this build at a future build page? Oh, yes, definitely. We can put this in as a build, you know, no-holes-barred LAN party rig. In my case, everything I had in my closet that I really (laughs) liked. But there's nothing in this particular build that is exclusive or inexclusive for anybody else trying to put this particular system together. Well, you definitely have some flexibility, like always with our builds. Uh, you know, a great example is the power supply may be overkill. Uh, extremely overkill. <laughs> but it does give you the opportunity to switch that out and get something that you might already have from a previous build. Mm-hmm. Or if you're out shopping, something more appropriate based on your video card and processor needs. Right. Well, especially like dual Raptors in a, in a RAID 0. 
raptures are kind of hard to find these days and they've really been replaced by ssds in terms of speed and reliability so and a good ssd has definitely come down in price so something to look forward to check that out on hardwareasylum.com and look for that build in our build section Speaking of games and LAN parties, one of the most anticipated games for Darren and I was Dying Light. Yes. And as of this recording, which February 9th, 2015, the following, which is a DLC addition to Dying Light, was released. Now, we talked quite a bit about this in a previous podcast from a future state, but just as a quick recap, the following is a very large DLC that was originally designed as a separate expansion. But, of course, they have the Season Pass, which was an excellent deal, by the way. Yes. That uh, included this. So they made an interesting choice, Dennis. They upped the price of their Season Pass after giving some nice warning Mm -hmm. so that they could drop the following. And rumor has it that the following expansion is as large, if not larger, than the rest of the game combined. After playing it for a little bit, I can see why somebody would say that. Um, the following is for, basically, of the purpose of Dying Light. It's a separate game. So you have the Dying Light that you can play, which has the Old Town and the Slums, and that's the two areas that you play in. A lot of rooftops. When you want to play the following, you start a new game and you go select the following. So like in the Bozak Horde, which was an expansion DLC inside Dying Light, you would go and click on a uh, a poster and you would go and play the Bozak. This one is kind of treated as a separate game. So, And that was something I, I was expecting. I got into the game. I'm looking for the poster that go and get me out of All right. Old Town because that was... The idea of the following is that you're outside of Haran and you're looking for some people. Well, or at least some sort of mission on your mission list that you could trigger that will take you there. Yeah, exactly. In this case, uh, I had to start a new game and then start the following, and then it goes into the cutscene that sends you outside of Haran. Oh, no, interesting. Now, I did not realize that you had to start a new game. Now, are you playing with existing characters or are you starting from scratch? Uh, playing with existing characters, although when it dropped me into the game both of my main weapons had been um used up to the point where i couldn't use them anymore and i want to say that that was um kind of done on purpose so that it kind of resets you to go and pick up new weapons when you get into the following oh interesting so um i lost some really good machetes that i had built (laughs) oh no i was really sad so um and if anyone has seen the trailer or the first like five minutes play it dumps you out of a sewer onto um, a cliff face, and then you have to make a huge leap into the water. Like a leap of faith. Yeah, and you get an achievement for that, which I thought was kind of fun. <laughs> nice. A few spoilers here, but um, I'll try to keep them down, because I really only went through two main missions. Well, you've only had a day in it, and it's it's large. It's large, but um, I'm going to say it's large in the same way that like a certain Metallica album was more uh well let's see how did they put it it was harder okay so it, you know a lot of metalheads will think that oh well it's more like speed metal it's more hardcore metal but no it's just more difficult to play 
So in the following, it's not that it's bigger, it's just that it's more expansive. Okay. If that makes any sense. So uh, basically, I made my leap of faith. I went into the first little village and got my mission to try and get them on my side so that I could basically ask them to help me find this person I'm looking for. So the first mission was to go and bring water back to the city. So you go outside the city over to a, a lake where there's a pump house. You got to kill a bunch of people that have taken up a shop in there and that turns into a safe house, sure. which is very important in dying light, especially at night. Um, as part of that, you would go and find your buggy, which is very key to the following because the map is huge. Oh yeah. Now this is the biggest difference from what I saw in the pre-release stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is driving as opposed to running and doing just the parkour. Right. So when somebody says that the map is bigger or the game is bigger, um, in this case, it's because it's the countryside and you have to use the buggy to get to point A to point B because there's no rooftops that you can run across or there's no trees you can hide behind. So it's definitely more open, it sounds like. Yeah, it's more open, but it's also very constricted. Um, like, uh, I see, I tried to complete this water mission six times. Oh, boy. And it kept, it didn't reset me to the same time when I started the mission. It kept the same time of day. So it was getting toward nighttime. And I tried to get in the buggy, drive where I needed to drive. Try not to spoil it. Drive where I need to drive. <laughs> uh, and then I would run into like a tree or something like that. And the buggy would break and I would end up dying or oh, I'd ran no. out of time or something like that. It would reset me and reset the buggy back to my safe house, but it didn't reset the time. So I'm <laughs> like the third time through all of a sudden night comes and the voltile come out and they can latch onto the buggy and kill you as you're trying to drive. Oh no. And we'll start to destroy the buggy in, uh, in uh, very uh, bad fashion. I should say, uh, it got to the point where I couldn't go fast enough to get away from them. And, of course, you have to be able to repair the buggy, just like you repair a machete or a, or a, a hammer or something like that, one of your weapons. Right. Um, and believe it or not, you just need screws. But you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to find screws. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot like the initial game where... As the game progresses, it becomes easier and easier to find parts. Yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, I think one of the reasons they destroyed a couple of my weapons when I ran into this DLC. I uh, got a dependence there. Got a dependence. So um, ultimately, I I just kept, um, at one point, I was like, well, I'm not going to go and run the mission. I'm going to look for screws to try to fix the buggy. Um, and this was in the middle of the night. And by the very end of it, hey, you survived the night. You got a whole bunch of points. And then I was able to drive during the day and, and complete the mission. Um, Patience wins out. Yeah. And I had to fail it like four or five times. Uh, the the time not being reset, I think, was a carryover from the original Dying Light where, you know, if you die, um, you can still play the rest of the night if you wanted. You just don't get as many points. So it, it works the same way. The mechanics are the same. Um, the difference is instead of being able to run across buildings, you have to use the buggy and I find that you have to use it wherever you go. Um, obviously you can run across the countryside, but then you, if you don't know where your buggy is, you have to run back across the countryside to get to the car. So 
Oh, so they're kind of pushing the car thing. Yeah. Um, the car, it took a while to learn how to drive the car. I want to say it reminds me of trying to drive something in Grand Theft Auto Five, which is terrible. <laughs> uh, I really would have liked to see like the the Borderlands Two um, implementation of driving. Uh, instead, you know, you're using your mouse. You can look around, and then you're driving with the keyboard. Um, whereas in Borderlands, you can use the mouse to drive around. Um, it seemed a bit more um, logical, uh, and in this case, easier. I wonder if they're uh, leaning more towards the console style or controller support even for the driving. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense, really. Um, You know, as you know, when you get into Dying Light, you can set up your keyboard a certain way or you can set up a controller. Um, Since the game is available on Xbox and and PlayStation, it kind of makes sense that they would build it to um, work well with those devices. It does make sense. So you've played a bit. I played a bit. Uh, two missions. I did a main mission um, to set up some safe houses, and then I did a side mission, uh, which turned into a much longer mission, which was weird. So, again, you know, the the maps are larger. The game is supposed to be larger. Um, makes sense that you would go on one mission to go and find a cat in the bottom of a well, which <laughs> isn't a cat, by the way. Spoilers. Oh, um, no. But then when you're leaving, you end up running and starting another mission. So it's kind of daisy change, which is kind of cool. Interesting. So big focus on driving we've already covered, but the parkour elements are gone? or No, the parkour is still a very big part of it. Uh, there's a bunch of towers that you get to climb. They aren't as big as the, as the bridge, for instance, but you can still climb some stuff. The biggest thing that I noticed is... Um, for instance, when you're in Old Town at night, the towers, they ha- they're supposed to have the ultraviolet light and it should be blue. On uh, For me, it was always white. But now with the expansion, they've turned blue. Oh. So they become like beacons that you can see exactly where you need to go. Um, I've noticed they added a lot more weapons and a few more weapon skins. Oh, I like that. They also added a couple more skins for the player. You you get one as soon as you unlock the the uh, the following, so that's kind of cool. Um, for some reason, I changed from my default uh, player skin to uh, like medical scrubs. Yeah, interesting. I thought was kind of weird. So, but yeah, you can go in and change those whenever you want. Um, I've already uh, bought a couple of new weapons. Um, they increased the prices. Well, in in the, for the weapons, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, but that kind of makes sense, you know, that way you can, um, play the game for longer and make it a little bit more difficult as you, as you level up. They also added, uh, legendary levels to your skill tree. Oh, so the skill tree's expanded. Yeah. Skill tree's expanded. Well, that's nice. So there's a lot more levels, but then again, you know, they added a second game. So you need to be able to add some more special skills and stuff like that. Well, very interesting. Well, you've sunk some time into it, but first impressions? First impressions. I had to re-familiarize myself with the game because I've been playing a bit of Skyrim and Borderlands before that. Um, But it didn't take much to get back into the swing of things and being able to parkour around. It took the longest to learn how to drive the buggy. Um, That was my biggest annoyance. Um, But once I figured out, okay, well, you can do power slides and as long as I keep the mouse looking straight and don't move it when I'm driving around, uh, I can see where I'm going and 
I don't get confused that way. Um, <laughs> the buggy doesn't like going off road, which is kind of a misnomer since it's a buggy. But, um, yeah, when you're driving through the grass and stuff, the, the little lights on the side that say a certain part of it is damaged start flashing red. But when you get back on the road, then they aren't. So interesting. Yeah, I guess it's wearing it out faster or something. Uh, but you can do upgrades to it. So you can add like a bigger engine and better tires and stuff like that. So eventually it should become a rather powerful weapon to the point where you can jump over stuff and hit the big monsters. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And it sounds uh, intriguing at least to use the buggy as a weapon. Mm-hmm. That's a big portion of it, actually. Well, cool. So if you're on the fence about Dying Light, the following or the season pass, what would you say? I would say you need to buy it. Buy it now. <laughs> uh, definitely look for a sale on the base game, though, because uh, it's been out for a while. I think you can still get it for like $12. Um, but the season pass is worth it. That way you get the Bozak Horde, you get uh, a lot of the player skins, you get a couple of extra maps, you get to be the zombie so you can be one of the Voltile and go sneak into people's games and uh, really mess them up, which is kind of fun. Uh, and you'll get the following, which is basically another version of Dying Light. I know that at least in the short run, you can still find that season pass in the $20 range, although I know that's not going to last forever. And at $20, it sounds like a tremendous investment in one of our here at Hardware Asylum's favorite first-person games, favorite parkour game for sure. Yeah, it was much better than Mirror's Edge. And definitely one of the few co-op games that Dennis and I have spent a significant amount of time in, at least since Borderlands. So a lot of reasons to recommend this game, both single-player and multiplayer. And it sounds like a lot more content to keep it fresh. So check out Dying Light, the following, and let us know what you think. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engine Lane production, copyright 2016. Thanks for listening.